I need to tell you a story about my journey here to the office this morning. There was um, one of those charity ladies on the pavement and she caught me striding along with my coffee. Of course. And she was like, oh, you know, excuse me, do you have time? Do you have a couple of minutes? I won't take too long. Just want to talk to you about X, Y, Z. And I was like, no, sorry, I'm on my way to record a podcast. <laughs> and I can't tell you how proud I was in that moment. I was like, oh, I hope everybody around me heard me. Everyone, I'm off. <laughs> Once we're famous, you can hear. You'll it's know like such... who I am. Yeah, it's like such a privilege. Actually, speaking about that, Hannah has been getting some followers on Instagram. Yeah, much to my distaste. I love how we've named this podcast after many a conversation that Demi and I have had about the fact that one day we will be famous. Exactly. It's coming. Except Hannah doesn't want the fame. She doesn't want the followers. <laughs> She's going to go on private. I love my private setting and my private personal life. Have you seen the gossip about the Golden Globes? Have you seen what's been going on? I've seen bits here and there. Okay, what what do you know? Like, there's, there's two different dramas I feel going on. There's the Kylie Jenner and Timothy. Yes. So, like, that's a whole scandal. How much do you know about that? Yeah, not much. I've seen a few memes, a few videos here and there, and, like, lip readers yeah. and lip sync people trying to take the mick out of it and then I've seen some stuff around the Barbie movie not being respected or Hollywood still being a man's world dive into the detail Demi I get all my info from TikTok so I don't know how 100% accurate it is for those of you that don't know here's some of the gossip so Selena Gomez and Timothy Chalamet I don't know if that's the way to pronounce it, but he's an American French actor. They have been best friends since they've grown up. So from a young age, they both went into the acting world and they were really good friends. Timothy is now dating Kylie Jenner. They've got a really loving relationship. Everyone's shipping them online. Allegedly, from like lip readers, professionals, Mm -hmm. they said that Selena was talking to Taylor Swift and her other friend and had said that Kylie Jenner would not let her have a photo with Timothy on the red carpet rude that was the drama it was this whole dilemma people are now hating on Kylie Jenner they're hating on Timothy who's now just a read he's in the new Wonka movie like yes this is really good I saw him on a tv program recently being interviewed about it and he just seems like such a nice guy I can't believe he's dating Kylie I couldn't picture them together before I saw the snippets of the Golden Globes yeah they look very lovey-dovey but I feel like he definitely runs that relationship you think? No, she runs the relationship, I mean. Not him. She wears the trousers. Yeah, like she tells him where to do, what to do. He just seems like this sweet, timid, like, little guy that's just, like, puppy. You know, like a Labrador, just running along in the background. Yeah. So, again, on TikTok, I saw the red carpet coordinator, and she said she's coming out with it. She's been told by a lot of the celebrities, managers and producers and whatever, that she needs to come out with the full story of this. How true it is, I'm not too sure. But she's come to the stage and said, it's so annoying on the red carpet because the paparazzi and the celebrities and the line in which they go in is all coordinated on timing schedule. And the whole schedule got messed up because Billie Eilish was on the red carpet and the paparazzi were calling out another actor's name. It looked bad for Billie Eilish, it looked bad for the reporters and whatnot. So Selena Gomez went forward out of her place in the queue to go and speak to Timothy and Carly. Right. And the coordinator went and said, move back. She swore at Selena and said, no, move back. Get out the way. Like, we need to stick to schedule. That's what Selena was telling 
takes right. and it's been twisted. Yeah. Chinese whispers, Hundreds. as usual. Wow. They need some gossip going on, don't they? Because, I mean, last year they had Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, so they needed something spicy. <laughs> <laughs> so the Barbie movie. Did, you've watched what? the Barbie movie? Yes, I have. Have you? Not yet. It's on my list. I just want to yeah. have, like, a girly day and, like, do my nails and watch it and just be in my own space when I watch it because I feel like J2 won't understand. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's it's pretty fun to watch. I wouldn't take it too seriously, but at the same time, it's not silly. Because that's what I was expecting. I was hoping that it wasn't going to be too immature and silly. And I think the word is slapstick, but I'm not quite sure what that word means. Yeah. (laughs) But I'd recommend it. I think it's a must watch. Yeah. Okay, Robbie is like a girl crush of mine, I think. Oh my God. She's J number two's like celebrity crush. Um, I think like she's absolutely beautiful, amazing personality, but because of the Wolf of Wall Street... The character that she played in then got so many men attracted to her because she's just like this bad bitch. Like it just helps that she's really cool and she's cool in real life. Like she does seem like a really awesome, genuine person. Have you seen her husband? No. Like, Who's her husband? I didn't know if she was married. Margot Robbie's husband is called Tom Ackley. He's like a producer, an actor, and like a few small things. But if you look at them, you would never picture them together. You'd think Margot Robbie, absolutely everyone's crush, is going to be with like the biggest celeb, the most like gorgeous looking man. And he, he is a good looking guy, but I just wouldn't picture them together. Like no one even knows she's married. That's nice though. I think that's good that there are famous women who can hold up their careers, hold up their reputation and their influence without their man's help. And she clearly doesn't rely on her relationship to do that at all. The things that I've seen about the Barbie movie are like, I've obviously seen snippets, I've seen breakdowns of people talking about it. And I know that it's a really, really impactful movie coming from like a woman's perspective and what we're going to have to go through. I don't know if you've got more info on that because I've obviously not seen it yet. There's lots of feminine points around the pressures that are put on women in modern society and how difficult it is for us to break the mould without being rejected from society. Yeah, just like modern pressures, modern expectations. It's a really nice, fresh perspective on a on a chick flick. And to be honest, as we work in like marketing and brand, the brand Barbie is international for not Okay, word of the day. Phenomenon. You got it. Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Here we go. Phenomenon. Yeah. (laughs) Not the word of the day. (laughs) Add it it to your uh, little... You know, you can get given those words to try and exchange your vocabulary. You can get given a word of the day or a word of the week or something and you have to try and put it into a conversation. You can can download an app for that. Like, I was considering doing that, but they give you some long-ass words that, like, are hard to pronounce and hard to even say. And completely out of context. Literally. I'll be sitting here and talking to you and I'll be like... Flabbergasted. (laughs) Yeah. Literally, I'm feeling scrumptious today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving all these words, though. We need to... Yeah. Maybe we can drop these into each podcast. There you go. Phenomenon. Last week, it was Aristotle... Oh, this is going well. Okay, moving on. So what happened at the Golden Globes? This is the other big thing which to do with Barbie, which I think is like quite impactful. 
is the comedian Joe Coy made a joke about Barbie. Obviously, he didn't really think about what he was saying or it was intentional, but he's come out with a long apology afterwards to everybody involved. But it went something along the lines of the two competing Golden Globe winners were the Oppenheimer movie that went out at the same time as Barbie. Obviously, Oppenheimer is like a historical movie about the invention of the nuclear bomb and all of that. So he goes into like a really in-depth explanation about that. Moves on to Barbie and said Barbie is a movie based on plastic dolls and big boobies. Oh, no. So it completely diminished... Like you say, that whole feminine journey that Barbie goes on and what it means for women, down to plastic boobs. Yeah, and I guess, as you said before, I think these comedians need to realise that there's a time and a place for these jokes to land, as we've learned with the Will Smith incident. By the sounds of it, the audience weren't too impressed. Yeah, Margot Robbie being the woman that she just laughed it off, didn't let it affect her because obviously there's cameras everywhere. But Ryan Gosling had it all over his face that he was not impressed with what was said. In an interview that I saw of Margot Robbie when she was promoting the film, she talked about how much work went into the production of Barbie and she apparently pitched to make this movie for a very long time. I believe it had a lot more involvement than people first think. It wasn't just a case of them creating this movie and picking her as the main lead. She actually had a lot to play in who the director was and the script and the production of the whole thing. So I can imagine the lead actress Margot and the director Retta must have taken that quite hard yeah I definitely think so it just it takes a whole movie and winds it down to women again being sexualized and objectified Demi and I are colleagues and we both work in marketing super fun super creative I absolutely love it it's like something different to do every single day. But obviously we weren't just born into these roles and decided to be marketers from the get-go. Were you creative at school? Yeah, I was very creative. My mom and my nana were both like artists. They did art for fun. So I loved art and I loved business studies. I feel like that's what marketing really is. It's like creativity and business. Like, yeah, definitely. It's yeah. like art versus science. And business, not math, thank God. I'm terrible at math. Yeah, I was really terrible at maths at school, but... Both of my parents are mathematicians, like professional mathematicians. They both work in finance. They're both very senior accountants. I mean, like my dad was an acting FD before he retired. No way. Yeah. And then both my sister and I, my sister's very good at languages and strategy and uh, she is creative in, in that sense. And then I am also very creative artistic um you know I love English and art and fashion textiles those were kind of my subjects at school really oh my god did you take math did you try it out did you like it or was it just not I studied it for as long as I had to like whilst it's compulsory to study things like maths and English at the school that I was at as soon as I could give it up I did and I focused on art history of art textiles those were like my jam and English as as well what that is so cool I can't believe I didn't know that and I love psychology so it's really funny when you look at the subjects that I chose uh in the sort of senior years of my college life were all really orientated towards marketing I didn't know it at the time I had no idea what marketing was back then yeah but 
when you think back now, psychology, yes. English, yes. Art, yes. I loved tech as well. You know, like when I got home, I'd, this is back in the day, Ooh. logging onto MSN to talk to my friends oh and my like God. designing my own MySpace profile. Loved all of that. And would really think about all of those skills and all of that interest and passion and put it into a job. It really is marketing. I can't believe that. That's crazy. I think I missed out on the Marspace era. It was a it was a time. It was a vibe. I miss those days. Big up all the uh, hashtag emos out there. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that sometimes you don't know where you're destined to go. And subjects that you take will actually end up leading you down that path i know like out of biology and i don't use that at all and i'm not really interested in using it but loved art loved business studies funnily enough when during covid i actually decided to try you know when they were doing all those free courses Mm -hmm. it was a socio-psychology course so about like society and stuff and i love that stuff as well i've just never had the opportunity to go and like study it but it's something i I would definitely try as well that's so interesting what did you want to be when you were younger i wanted to be a vet to begin with and that's through my love for animals i'm definitely more of a animal person than a people person if you haven't listened to our pilot episode hannah has about a hundred pets yeah. yeah, I mean, in my dream life, the ultimate goal for me is to live on like a mini farm. I'd love to have chickens running around the garden, like a little chicken and duck pen, like a nice pond and bunnies and guinea pigs. And I'd want my son to have his bearded dragon or whatever he wants. And like Ophelia can have her little hamster. And I'm, I'm just all about animals. I love horses. So we'd have a horse in a field in the paddock at the back oh. in this massive fantasy dream world of mine. And a dog rescue kennel, I can imagine. Yeah, that. obviously we'd have to have a few dogs of different various sizes and some cats as well. Yeah, I think I'm definitely animal mad. So when I was younger, naturally, I wanted to be a vet. Then I discovered how scientific and how much studying that required because they actually study for longer than doctors do. It would have been quite a long haul before I actually would be able to do the job and that was hugely off-putting for me because I'm highly practical. When I left school, I wanted to go straight into work. I wasn't one to kind of faff around with studies in university. Yeah. What about you? What did you want to do when you were younger? I've said this before to a couple of people and it just sounds mad. But like when I was younger, you know how people are like, I want to be a princess. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a flight attendant. I want to be a princess. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was what I said. (laughs) When I was younger, I didn't actually know what I wanted to be. And I felt like there was so much pressure. Like when you're a little girl, like tiny, you know, when parents ask that. And my mom said that all I used to say is I want to be the boss. I want to be the leader. I want to tell everyone what to do. And I think that's kind of like gone throughout my life where it's translated into being like a bad bitch. Like all I've wanted is to like come in, give my ideas, tell everyone like kind of what's going on, like work obviously collaboratively. It it changes over time. But all I knew is that I wanted to be like in control in a hard place have respect and that's kind of where we're going (laughs) i love that i love that you had boss lady on your yeah (laughs) not even the console boss bitch back then i definitely didn't know i was coming into marketing at all 
Like that was not my projection. Even when choosing what to study in university, I just knew I wanted to do something creative. So how did you discover marketing for the first time? I studied a BA in creative branding communications and specialised in visual communications. So that kind of took me down the avenue of graphic design. But within that degree, you learned branding, marketing, business studies, graphic design, multimedia which was a bit of coding I did not like that my brain doesn't work that way (laughs) I was going to go into graphic design applied for a couple of jobs in graphic design and in the interview process when they said like we just want something that's like pretty pictures we're not really too interested in all the background campaigns that I produced I come up with like a whole campaign what it would do strategy strategy like the return on investment how much money you can make and they said to me they literally turned around and said you need to go into marketing, graphic That's design. That's hilarious. I bet they asked you for like a graphic for Instagram to post and you came back with like the budget requirement, the strategy, <laughs> the posting pattern, the engagement plan. You know, it's literally everything. And like all they wanted was a couple of flyers for their upcoming new cocktail. Like that's what it was. That's so cute. And the CEO, I remember him being like quite direct, quite poker face. And he said like, I'm not being funny, you really need to go into marketing. And he called in the marketing team to come and look at my my thing. And he was like, we're not hiring in marketing at the moment, but that's something you should look at. And then I ended up here with you. Oh, nice. That's quite a nice introduction to knowing what where it, to go. Yeah. How was yours? Because I know that yours developed from like a different type of background, still creative though, still doing what a little bit of what we're doing now. So I actually went into more of an operational role first. So whilst I wanted to be a vet, left school, went to business college, that's where I discovered marketing for the first time and business, I guess. So I'd gone from a super creative background thinking that I'd go into something artistic into actually enjoying the business world and understanding what strategy is, you know, communications, how to run a business. I've always been quite entrepreneurial. So that was super interesting to me. Mm. And then after leaving that worked at reception at a vet obviously keeping in mind that I still loved animals then I was introduced to that operations of the business went into an operational role in that operational role I discovered marketing and really got to work on some cool projects and campaigns and so it's like a nice little introduction yeah here I am it was kind of like a slow movement over to the marketing department But I think I wouldn't dismiss all of that experience that I had in operations because there is a huge part of marketing which involves all of those things that I learned back then. And it was actually a really nice introduction. Yeah. How did you move then from operations to marketing? Did you just get recognised for being like more creative, running these campaigns, like putting things together that were more marketing-based? So personally, the operational role that I was in wasn't challenging enough for me. I mean, I'm a hustler I'm a hard worker I have creative ideas and it was an obvious career path for me at the time I was really trying to contribute a lot of those ideas to the business and just slowly started taking on those projects because not a lot of people are creative you know there are different skills in a company in a team And that's what makes it work so well normally because you have these people with different qualities and I really excelled in the marketing projects that I got to take part in. So just naturally fell into more of that role. 
Yeah, you know what I find so interesting, like what you're saying about people being creative and there's not many people that are creative. You and I sit here opposite each other, both creatives, but we both have different skill sets within that creativity that we're maybe stronger at, which I think in teams you really need. And I think that's why we like kind of work so well together because we have different strengths and weaknesses, but still within that creative band. Yeah, you need to get that balance to create an amazing team dynamic and those skills need to complement each other. Did you find anything like extremely tricky at the start, maybe when you first started the operations role or the marketing role? I think at the start, the scariest thing to do was to post on a public platform. So for instance, social media. This is when I was junior posting on a company page for the first time was so freaky. I was so scared about what people would say, how I was going to engage in the comments, who was going to see it. Was my CEO going to come thundering down the office and tell me off for the caption that I'd chosen to write? Like the reputation of the brand is on your shoulders. Yeah, you feel like, oh my God, the whole world is going to come after me. You want to hide under the desk. Like you're literally like staring at that post publish button and you're like oh my god three two one you're sweating <laughs> you can hit publish and it goes out and you see on the top of the news feed and you're like oh my god it's out there and means and then like five ten minutes go past there's no likes there's no comments there's like the ceo hasn't noticed <laughs> there's no likes there's no comments so you start stressing about something else because <laughs> you're not getting engagement Oh, oh God, God, I know. That is so funny to think back to yeah. those days. I mean, I happily post now. It is so funny how you get over that that fear. What was your most scary moment? What are the like tricky tasks of the past? I think coming into like my first office job, to be honest, like everything about it is different. Yeah, and I remember having this discussion with you and you said, this is what you got to do. Feel free to like create your own schedule and routine. And I think having to put things in place where you're putting like a routine together so you know what you're constantly doing. And if you are not organized, you will forget what you're doing. So I think it was that constant like, oh my God, I, I forgot to put that post out. And you got this gut feeling like, Hannah's going to notice I haven't posted at 10 o'clock. It's now 10 past 10. She's going to turn into a dragon. <laughs> I think it was just that, like remembering everything, learning how to get organized and putting routines in place, especially as like a first office role that's like quite technical and a really big thing that we've got to do like yeah. marketing's not a small thing that you think we just make things look pretty there's a lot that goes into the background definitely and that is the operational part of the role that I was referring to earlier like it is so important and I think having those operational skills is really useful and being organized as you say it just it really applies and it really helps you out What would you say is like the best part of your job now? If I'm honest, like working in a two-man team, the open and honest communication that we have, I think is just one of the best things. Like coming into the office more, being able to like constantly communicate, we can ask for help, we come up with ideas. Our brainstorming and concept sessions for me are just my favorite because we come up with like new ideas, new ways that we can make revenue for the company, new fun things all the time. I just find it the best that we can actually just sit there and brainstorm and like come up with ideas and bounce off each other. Yeah, it is super fun. What would you say? I think I'd have to agree with you, to be honest. I love that aspect of brainstorming and injecting creative ideas. I love the new tools and formats of media that you can publish now. 
I think it's super cool that you can create video podcasts you know you can you can put together a really nice social media post advert campaign all sorts of things for on on a really tight budget not too much effort not too much time and it can be really effective you know a few years ago I think quite a lot of businesses would have struggled to do that but now there are so many platforms that you can use the these options are at your fingertips literally and it saves so much time than it probably did a few years back like trying to sit down film and edit a video from scratch adding subtitles manually all of that stuff just as an example yeah taken days and days and days whereas now there's so many platforms that can literally just do half of the work for you yeah just automation in its entirety is amazing yeah people always say especially in the creative industry that oh we're going to lose our jobs and whatnot However, I think it's made our jobs a bit easier, but you still need that creativity in the background. You're not going to get an automated service that is going to come up with original ideas. No, exactly. You need that human element. You need that human input, 100%. Our job's becoming more office-focused now. I'd say last year we worked from home for maybe the majority of the time, and that's slowly changing to become more office-orientated. Obviously, there's a majority of jobs out there which require the office nine to five. We've gone from lockdown to new flexible working policies to employers trying to convince people to come back into the office. There's new expectations. I think that change is what makes things difficult because like there has been so much change. There's been that normal office, everyone was fine, then it was the struggle to go work from home. People had to have a lot of adjusting to do that because you'd now be around your kids or your partner a bit more or you'd just be distracted because you've got like things, influences like the TV and whatnot. So that, that was a change. And then going to Harvard and then now, like you say, a lot of companies and offices are bringing back more of a full-time office space. So that's another transition because maybe you've got comfortable and you've got your own office set up at home and that's just something that you're feeling a bit more comfortable with. So it's another change. I feel like there's a lot of frustration because of all of this change, depending on what type of industry you're in, what type of company you're at, because sometimes yeah. it can be a shock to the system. And I think that's where that imbalance comes in yeah I definitely think that the people want flexibility at the end of the day having the option to work from home or work where you want gives you the ability to travel it gives you the ability to be there for your family more you know just to do really productive jobs at home like put a wash on hang the washing up filling and emptying the dishwasher god I sound so boring it's a necessity yeah and you can incorporate that as part of your day, you know, getting up from the desk for five minutes to do an odd chore here and there can save a lot of time in your evenings and your mornings and just, you know, the manic day-to-day life. So I can see why people want that flexibility. Employers are pushing back because they want performance and productivity. And I mean, there is that joke that when people work from home, they don't work. Yeah, but that's a majority of people that have now taken the piss and the people that actually do work at home are getting the repercussions from that. Yeah, and I think employers are forgetting the fact that before there was that dramatic change where they had to work from home, there was no option about it. People were forced to work from home unless they were key workers and required in the workplace. People are forgetting that even back then, there were remote jobs. Remote working 
has always been a thing. There are certain professions that work remotely all the time and they're not required to be in an office. They don't need to, you know, to be a part of meetings or be a part of the team. They could just do the background work, just sit there quietly, don't need for communication. Here's it, bang, done. Yeah, it's like more like process-driven jobs, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess if you look at freelancers as well, like in, in our roles, we work with a lot of freelance creative copywriters videographers etc designers digital nomads yeah digital nomads and and they can work flexibly and but they need to deliver the work otherwise obviously we wouldn't work with them we wouldn't pay the invoice and I guess if you look at that working structure the huge part of that is trust you know we are trusting them to deliver the work and therefore we're paying for the service or product that they're delivering and that's what's missing between like the people and the employers yeah 100% I agree like you say employers just need to take into accountability because as an employer you have a flexible schedule yourself if you need to leave early to go fetch kids or spend time at home you can do that without getting permission from anyone but the incorporation of these flexible things are giving people better lifestyles. They're able to maybe exercise a bit more, like you say, do home jobs and be able to actually spend time with other people. But working in the office isn't so bad. You know, we're, we're trying to come into the office more ourselves. We're finding it's more productive. We've actually created our own little office space and it's motivational. I think I've come into this new year feeling like I want to go into work. I want to go into my office and I want to feel like a boss lady again. 100%. Like you said, last year we were sitting at home a lot, working from home. Don't know if you found the same. You ended up being in pyjamas all day. No makeup, no hair. And I, I don't know if that like affects you the same way it affects me. But if I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, I look like a slob. I've been like this all week. Kind of brings on like demotivation. So yeah. Coming into this year, Hannah and I have obviously spoken about a few things. We've done our office, which is super cute. If only you could see, we've got like a whole setup. But we said, you know what? Look good, feel good. We're coming into this year, coming into the office and dressing like boss bitches. Yeah, I think if you do work from home, you need to incorporate some of the routine that you have when you work in an office. Otherwise, you're going to feel like shit. I think in order to feel fresh and get yourself ready for the day so that your brain can function, so that you can be creative and productive and you can perform at your best, I think it's really important to, yes, get up, brush your teeth, have a shower, get changed, get out of those pyjamas, have a coffee. If you need to exercise, head out for a walk. I know back in lockdown where, again, we were forced to work from home. So there were a lot of people who love the office and they love their routine and they were really struggling with working from home. And they would have a fake commute. So they would organise to go for like a 10 minute walk just round the block in the morning just to get their brain working, to get their body moving. And if you need to incorporate things like that into your routine when you work from home so that you don't feel so... Sluggish. Yeah, so you don't feel so sluggish. I've just had a complete flashback. I remember we were in the old office and it was the first time I was going to work from home and I was speaking to you about it. You turned to me and you said can I give you one tip about working from home? Because like, obviously, first office job, I've never had to work from home before. Felt a bit weird. And you said, 
treat the day exactly like you would as if you were coming to the office. I remember this and you were like, if you go and do exercise in the morning or if you get up at a normal time, try to get up at that normal time for consistency. You don't obviously have to get dressed and wear your makeup, but wear something that's nice but still comfortable so you're not just in your pajamas all day. And then you'll get used to that consistency and you won't end up feeling, like you say, sluggish or demotivated and whatnot. And that's actually stuck with me. Now that you said it, let's come back. Ah, but the office can be fun. Yeah. And some people prefer the office. Some people, if you're going to go through that routine of getting ready for the day, sometimes the effort to then commute in is more worth it. Yeah, 100%. And I think some people enjoy the separation, you know, having the ability to leave their home life at home. I'm definitely enjoying that. Recently, I think a lot of things at home were just getting on top of each other. So, you know, where work blends with your personal life a bit too much. And I work professionally with J1 in the same business so it is really easy in our house for that to happen yeah and I know that's not your typical relationship and work-life situation but it's something that we're navigating through and I'm finding that the more we come into the office it is actually helpful for that yeah that like separation not between each other but between like you say work and personal life and you don't get on top of each other coming into the office if you're going to spend that time to get ready if you don't want to dress like a bad bitch you don't have to like no one's telling you what to wear if you've got to wear a uniform wear a uniform but I think personally if you look good you feel good you feel more confident you come into work feeling like you own it you're gonna own the day you're gonna own what you've got on your list and I think that that's just how I feel maybe not this week because it's about one or two degrees and I am wearing a jumper but we make it stylish with some heels (laughs) yeah I think it's fun I think like you say like either you have your go-to staple work wardrobe if that works for you fabulous you do that But if you want to use the office as your catwalk and you want to be creative with what you wear and wear fun outfits, it's a really nice excuse to do that. It's a really nice opportunity to wear your best get up and test it out. You know, like sometimes you buy something new and I don't know, you want to wear it on a date with some guy that you've met and you're not quite sure if it works with heels or if it works with these boots or if actually it rides down your bum or you can actually see your <laughs> pants through it or something like yeah. that you know you can test it out and I, I find the office is quite a fun way to do that do you plan your outfit today before or do you just see what's in the wardrobe what what's like your go-to office wear routine i should plan my outfits better I should plan my outfits the night before because normally it's the morning of the kids are like either ready or I'm trying to get them ready at the same time as getting myself ready or J1's getting involved and it's just chaos every morning in our house if it's an office day you can guarantee it's just like a bomb's just gone off in our house it's crazy why am I imagining like home alone when the whole family's there and they're just running around yes that is the exact visual that you need I should plan my outfit so that it would just make it more simple and straightforward but I don't and I don't have a go-to work wardrobe yet but I am creating one yeah you're building like that capsule wardrobe yeah just so that I've got a go-to. So it's not necessarily uniform. It's not necessarily creative outfits each day. But 
it's that in between. Yeah. What about you? I'm such a Pinterest girl. Like my cupboard, if you had to ask Jay, but I've taken over his side of the cupboard because I have so many clothes. It's actually ridiculous. And I have this terrible habit of continually buying new stuff. So building a capsule wardrobe, like just some basic blazers, basic tops, basic pants that you can rewear and reshare and move in different ways, I think is the go-to. So I love to look at Pinterest and I'll be like, oh, I've got something similar to that. That looks nice with that. Maybe I'll do that. So today I stole something from Jay's cupboard, which is a big jumper, but I saw something on Pinterest where they styled it with leather pants and some boots. And I was like, oh, that looks nice. Maybe with my hair up and some earrings. And I think mm -hmm. Pinterest is the way to go, especially if you type in workwear. Yeah, definitely. And love that you're working the uh, menswear. Little cheeky French tuck always works. <laughs> Always, always. But um, then I guess once you're in the office, you've got your get up on, you've got your best outfit on, you get to the office. You ready? Another way to make the office feel a bit more like home is to renovate your desk. Picture frame of someone who makes you feel good, makes you smile, doesn't have to be your BF, could be your cat, dog, friends, mum, dad, cousin. Uncle. Oh, <laughs> oh. Do the ice cream man. There we go. That makes me happy. We have bought a little dreaming book that we've got on our shelf that's got like motivational quotes. We're yet to read a few more pages, but I think it's something that's really effective that you could read every day just as a little positive affirmation. It re has really nice cover design as well. And then we've got the diffuser, we've got some room spray, a nice vase. Yeah, we've got a whole stationery set up. We've got the podcast marks in, we've got all the tech stuff ring lads video to come soon <laughs> i think it helps with the organization you walk into the office okay there's the pens there's my notepad this is what i've got to do put the laptop down charge it and you just feel like you've got everything organized it feels a bit more relaxed a bit more homely whereas maybe if you're going into a we work or you're hot desking it might feel like you're stuck at that desk and all you can do is just focus on your laptop yeah if you use stationery as part of your job i think it's important to make sure that that stationery is yours and you can personalize that unless you have really strict office rules and you work for a business that gives you like branded only equipment if you've got the ability to like buy your own do it because it makes all the difference buying a really nice pen say you love the color pink like us buy a nice pink pen you know like a good quality one. Yeah, like treat a yourself. Big pen. And yeah. get that pen a really nice pink pen holder, like a pen cup or something. And if you use a diary or a notepad, make sure that that's personal to you as well. There's all sorts of things that you can do to ensure that your desk is comfortable and it makes such a difference. Another really nice thing that I like about what we've incorporated in our office is a little hand lotion on our desk. So just things like that. It just makes all the difference. Literally. We've got some cute pics that still need to go up. We have a big sign that says bitches. <laughs> that has now fallen down. Naturally. Our favourite word. <laughs> but even if like you have a desk and you've got a pull-out drawer I think that that could also make such a difference for some people because you get people that are like maybe you know big into the gym that like to snack and you can keep all your snacks in there or you're coming into the office the next day and you want to leave your laptop so you don't have to bring all the luggage on your commute you can just lock it all in there yeah 100% yeah, I used to keep a spare toothbrush and toothpaste in my office drawer purely because the worst thing is when you turn up to work and you feel like you have bad breath Coffee break. Or you've had a bit too much fun the night before and uh -huh. you might not have been home and you need to freshen up. So I used to have a little emergency kit, like 
paracetamol, makeup, toothbrush, toothpaste, maybe some makeup, like makeup wipes, facial like cleanser, little tiny moisturizer. And then I actually had a travel size shampoo and conditioner because the office had a shower that I could access. I'm not giving tips to all you slags out there. But my point is so that if you make your desk your home, it can just feel so much more pleasurable to be there. Literally, it's like such a motivator to go in. You've got everything set up. You've got all your own stuff. It feels like home anyway. So I completely agree. I think one of the worst things that you can do is when you come into the office is eat a massive fried lunch. I think people oversee lunch and the fact that it's, great to maintain a healthy diet as you would at home so if you're going to chuck together a nice I don't know chicken salad for lunch stick to the chicken salad even if you're coming to the city and you're sitting in your office don't fall for convenience don't fall for splashing out on this super heavy fried food that's just going to make you feel like shit for the rest of the afternoon literally I got into such a bad habit a few weeks ago with a specific bloody spicy soup even though I had my own lunch and then by the afternoon I'd be absolutely starving so that's malnutrition (laughs) never mind the heavy fryer that you're having you'll be feeling exhausted in the afternoon and you know there's something that's not going to motivate you you're just going to want to lie on the couch and maybe have one too many red bulls or something like that yeah you can get into a really vicious cycle if you're not careful Mm, 100% and then I guess if you need the extra motivation is make plans around work so you could always meet your friends for lunch you know there's that social aspect or you can make plans after work I find that can kind of get me out and into the city and I'm so much more willing to pay the train ticket or you know make the effort to to do that commute yeah 100% I agree it gets you going like it gets you like oh I've got something to do after work I can't wait like I'm so excited I'm gonna go and I'm gonna wear my best outfit and I'm gonna have a healthy meal and then I'm gonna go and get absolutely sloshed after work (laughs) and then I'm gonna dive into Hannah's emergency kit in her (laughs) Jay number two and I got into such a bad habit a few months back because he started working in the city literally down the road and Thursday night would be our date night and we somehow always ended up in a cocktail club till way too late having way too many cocktails so just be careful (laughs) you can go down the wrong path that's definitely how my relationship with J1 began was it was based on a lot of late nights a lot of drinking a lot of socializing it was fun don't get me wrong I'm not being a negative Nancy about this but we have grown up now and I am so glad that I can go home to him. (laughs) So cute. You obviously live a bit out of London. I've just moved a bit out of London, and I know that sometimes the commute, depending on price, depending on how long it takes, is also a demotivator to go in the office. How is your commute? Is it long? Is it something that defers you from coming in? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. It's the effort that puts me off. But to be honest, my commute is quite simple. I just have to hop on one train ride and then I walk the rest of the way. It's been healthy, like nice to get some fresh air, good in the morning. Yeah, and it's quite nice to see London as well because I walk over London Bridge. I get to see, you know, Tower Bridge is right there, the Thames and and the city is just cool. I just love London. I think like depending on your journey in the morning and because so many people are on this journey, it can get really crowded. People are in a bad mood. Everyone looks grumpy because they've got to go in. It's just so negative. And 
as soon as I found that I was listening to an ass podcast that was funny or something that was keeping me distracted, I tried to be that different person on the train that would try and smile at everybody else because you know that effect, like if you smile at someone, they'll smile, someone else thinks yeah. that they'll smile and then you could actually make someone's day, someone could be going through something shit and if, if everyone else is in a bad mood and you're that one person that's not, you could change the effects on the train. I feel like they should have music on the train, why is it so quiet and everyone's so moody? Yeah, I mean I find bus people so rude. Like bus rides and things like that. 100% get something on the go, like a podcast, a really good book. That's always really nice. Yeah. It's definitely time that you can have to yourself. You know, as a mum myself, a lot of mums complain about not having me time. Use your commute, ladies. Like, my God, that is time that you can have to yourself. You don't need to answer a hundred questions. You don't need to grab more snacks or a drink. And you don't need to change the channel on the TV. And you don't need to tell your partner all these things. It's your time. You can listen, watch, read, Right. You can listen to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, listen to our podcast. Recommend to your friends. (laughs) 100%. And it's like that time for you to do either something productive or either something not productive. If you're just happy to sit there listening to music and going along with your day, go for it. I find for me what works best is like, I'm quite a busy gal. Obviously, we work and then go to gym and then cooking and by that time it's already 11 o'clock at night so I try to prioritize replying to family and friends that I haven't replied to all day just because you've got such a good idea yeah you've got that like five ten minutes to yourself that you can actually say oh I need to actually connect with these people because you're not just ignoring them on purpose we are genuinely busy I I always do that I always open messages and then forget to reply that is such a good idea to orientate that time around responding to messages calling your mom it's so nice because it's just connecting with those people and I think it makes such a difference whether you're on your way to work or on the way home it all brighten your day somehow Wait, what was that escalator story that you messaged me? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the other evening when I was on my way home from the office, I had just got to London Bridge Station and there are huge escalators that go up to the platforms and I normally walk up those escalators A, to just stay fit and healthy. And I heard that walking upstairs is really good for your bum. And two, I was late for the train. So I really (laughs) wanted to make this train. And I was rushing up, looked up at the side, and there is a whole stream of people queuing up beside me. So here in London, we have these unsaid rules where you must stand on the right and walk on the left. So I'm walking up this escalator and... This lady is leaning against the side and I can see her eyes rolling. I can see her head rolling and I'm thinking, shit, she's going to go. This lady, I'm not being rude, was big, like very large and very heavy. Yeah. I believe she was with two of her friends. One was in front of her on the escalator and one was behind and I was pretty much side by side with her when this started happening. She then fell. And as she started falling, her friend started screaming because she was pulling her friend down on top of her. So there was three ladies basically like slowly falling backwards down this escalator. And there was this huge 
queue behind them just all getting squashed. It was honestly like watching slow motion down a steep escalator. Oh, she tumble? Like, did she just hit everyone and fly back? It she was like <laughs> squashed. Oh. <laughs> Imagine that was you and your day on the way home. <laughs> I wanted to cry for her. So I was stood right there. This literally happened at my feet. It was so embarrassing. I mean, I can't imagine how they felt, but I was embarrassed as well because I was just stood there. Escalator still moving up. Escalator still moving up. <laughs> Everyone's just kind of looking at me for answers. I'm not very strong. And the girl on top was like, give me your hand, give me your hand, help me up. She didn't help at all. She didn't put any of her the effort into it. So I had to pull her whole weight. Just told me they up. were like intoxicated. So I was then like thinking, oh my God, what if I fall? I've got a whole escalator in front of me with all these people just on top of each other. It's <laughs> so someone next to me slams the red button to stop the escalator. So at least that stopped moving. Thank God. We were quite near the top now. I could hear my train coming into the platform and I'm sorry, I'm a very kind person, but at that moment, I just didn't feel very generous. I thought, clearly this girl has had too much to drink because I could smell the fumes coming off them. They weren't putting in any effort to get up. They were complete dead weights. No. I needed to get home. I needed to get my train. So helped this one girl up and luckily... Some other people had gathered from above and below them to try and help get all these people up. So I ran to the platform, got some help, thought that's as much as I can do because I'm not going to be able to lift this lady. She was so heavy. No, and she's not even trying to get up herself, so there's no point. She's kind of I mean, what a mess. Oh so I got God. on the train and thought, well... And that's when I texted you and I set a rule. I was like, we are not getting on escalators when we've had too many to drink. No, we just I get a lift. I imagine how bad those injuries must have been. I mean, wow. Imagine waking up the next day, though. Imagine being the person underneath that part. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, a Monday, leaving home, going to see my kids squash. Like, oh, it was like a nightmare. Oh my god, no, that is unwritten rule. No, escalate, just get the lift from now on if you're drunk. When I was on my commute the other day, I saw this girl and she had a hair colour in the front of her hair. And I was thinking that could be a really great way to achieve really great hair. We keep talking about how we're going to do this, and we keep talking about my heatless hair colours and the air wrap and all sorts. So, girls, when we discover the best way to get perfect curls, we will be sharing our secrets with you. We'll be trialing everything. Yeah, yeah we've got to have a list of requirements, right? This all to no heat, so we're not causing any damage. It needs to be quick, it needs to be super practical, affordable, it needs to look good, obviously. Yeah, and it needs like, to be worth it. The perfect curl for longer than five minutes. That's such a good idea to have it in, like on your commute. Obviously, people might look at you, but you know what? So what? Because I always find walking to the office is when my hair just blows everywhere and every curl and every effort I put in is now flat and gone. Yeah, yeah. we'll do this. 
Yeah. Well, we're going to have to try everything. We've got heatless curler robe thing that we've got. Hannah's got the air wrap. And now we've got the rollers that we might just pitch up to work in next week. We'll report back. Thanks for listening to our podcast, guys. If you enjoy Once We're Famous, please subscribe. Like and share. Okay, bye.